Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Eight Figure Agency Show, where a successful entrepreneur and a soon-to-be successful entrepreneur help you build an eight-figure agency by documenting our successes and our failures. And guys, today we have a really, really, really hot episode. It's a concept that's going to absolutely blow your mind. That if you are have been in business for any amount of time and you have hired more than one person, this concept is going to change your life. Or you're thinking about hiring one person. Good point. Or you're thinking yep. about hiring a person. No, it will, it will drastically change your life. Um, before we get into it, if you're listening or watching this episode on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment down below, just about anything. Comment popcorn if you're listening to this right now. But if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, then leave us a review. We do not promote anything on this show. We yeah, show we up and anything. do this show literally just for you guys. And it would mean the world to us if you could share it with at least one person who you think might benefit from it and leave a serve you on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, Gary, what are we going to be covering in today's episode? So we're going to be covering a book called Who Not How. And so what we're going to do, we're going to go through three things. Number one, Derek, a journey, because I think I told you to read it like a year ago. Yeah. And then recently you read it, right? And it's an easy, yeah. it's an easy read. It's one of those books that once you get it and then, and then, so how that impacted you. And then we're going to talk about how we actually use this book in our businesses. And then we're going to talk about how we use this book in our personal lives to leverage our businesses as well. So you want to kind of share the background of you got who, not how we talked about it. I don't know if it was eight months ago, a year ago, we talked about yep. the book and then you recently got a hard copy of it and you read it. And then what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, Gary, you mentioned this book to me maybe three or four times now, like going back to when we first started the show. I kind of brushed past it, never really got it. It was like, yeah, I'll get to it eventually. And one day I was like, I need to start reading more in this new year. And so I got the book and um, started reading it. And let me just preface by saying, Who Not How is one of those books that you pick it up and you can't put it down. It's I put it into a category with like the book Built to Sell, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team and Who Not How. They're written in this story format that like once you pick up the book, all you want to do is finish it. The value is so good. The less are so good. So if you're looking for amazing business books, built to sell, who not how, and um, find a solution of a team. Today, we're focusing on who not how. When I picked up this book, it absolutely blew my mind because the concept, the principle itself is, is quite simple, right? It's very it's, simple. It's quite simple. And sometimes, Gary, I think in a lot of people's lives, people do it without even realizing it. Like they kind of just do it subconsciously. The concept is in the name, who not how. As entrepreneurs, yeah. we tend to think about how to do things. And a lot of the times, we're not able to get things done as fast enough. It leads to burnout. It leads to us feeling as though we're stuck. When in reality, the book says, change that framework from how to do it to who can help you do it. Yeah. Hence, who, not how. Yeah. And actually, in the book, well, first of all, before we dive into like in the book, how did that impact you? So after you read it, like what changes did you see right away? It changed completely changed my perspective. Here's why. So for context, I'm currently, as you can see, in a different filming setup. I am in New Zealand. And so this is huge for me because I'm 17 hours ahead. Actually, when we're filming this, Gary, I believe for you, it's a Tuesday, right? It's like Tuesday, afternoon. Yeah. Tuesday it's afternoon. Wednesday afternoon for me right now. I am, How's Wednesday? Yeah. Everything going good on Wednesday? <laughs> the future's good, Gary. The future's <laughs> okay, good over cool. here. All right. I but, feel good. Uh, yeah, no, it's Wednesday at like 12.07 p.m. And like, it's weird because my team just finished their work day. It's like 6 p.m. I have a whole half a work day left that I'm going to be saying the messages, getting no responses. Here's why I'm giving that context. It blows my mind certain days, certain days of how much freedom I could actually have as a business owner because of the who's that I put into my business to handle the house. Before, I was always bogged down by the little things and never could get those done. Now, coming to New Zealand was the ultimate test of how effective the who's I put in to manage those systems would actually be. And that's the whole concept. That's how it's absolutely changed my life. Yeah. And so in, in the book, they actually talk about, uh, they use an example of building a podcast. 
And actually, this I read this before I built my podcast. And he said, I could have went on and learned how to set up the camera, set up the audio, set up the soundboard, set up all of the the distribution. I, I could have went and learned all of that. And he said it would have took him forever. And, and really what it would have done is take away from where his earning potential was, right? So when you learn a new skill, and there's nothing wrong with learning new skills, don't get me wrong, but... When you, when you go to learn a new skill, so if you're making this much money on this skill and you're making zero at podcasting, then what ends up happening is, is you spend this time to do the podcasting, but you have to take away from the money earning potential that you have. So the example that he gave was I went out and hired somebody and they set up my podcast in like a week and it was very, very fast. And then in my head, I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And when I set up my podcast, I actually hired people. I hired people to help me with the podcasting. And then from there, I had to learn how to hire people for editing. That's how I ended up meeting Derek and, and, and others as well. So that's there's, there's definitely levels to this. But if you really want to move fast, you have to use the who's. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Who's costs money? So when you, when you don't have a lot of money, that means you have a lot of time right? When you're broke, you don't have a lot of time. You're not going out and doing things. You're not like you, 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 you just have a lot of free time. So then you need to go learn skills so you can make money. And then when you make money, you then can hire who's to help you get further and make more money. That's the whole idea behind it. Yeah. And so that's actually exactly what I wanted to touch on next. So when I was reading the book, a lot of times is you kind of have to remember this. Whenever you get advice from anybody, you have to remember who's giving you that advice. And I actually saw a TikTok on this the other day. The person who wrote Who Not How could be way further along than you on the journey, especially Dan Sullivan, who that's his principle is Who Not How. It's not the person who wrote the book. He co-authored it with him. That's besides the point. You have to remember who's giving you that advice, right? So oftentimes there were certain parts of the book where I was like, okay, wait a minute. I would love to get a who for this, but that's expensive. Yeah, That's really expensive. How do you do that? What would your advice be in your experience the last you know, decade and, and a half as to how you've handled that when you knew you needed a who, but you couldn't afford it? Yeah, there was, there was tons of times like that. That means that we had to utilize the team and we had to learn together. So there's, mm. there's, so basically, like, let's pretend you and me are on the same team, Derek, and we don't have money to hire how to build a podcast. So what we would do is I would meet with you and say, hey, Derek, we need to build this podcast. We're going to get this off the ground. Here's the research that I've done. Can you do some research on your end? Let's take ownership of different parts. And we'd both go learn different parts of the skill. Now that would double my speed, right? So if you were learning distribution and I was learning creation, that's a lot faster than you know mm. me doing both of them or you doing both yep. of them. So there's a little bit of a hack there that you can speed through things, especially if you have a smaller team. And then what you can do is once you get enough money, then you can go hire that, that who. The other thing that you can do is you can hire contractors. So a lot of times people say, oh, I want to hire a, a who, but I don't have $5,000 a month to pay this person. That's okay. There's contractors out there that you can hire for 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks. I'll, I'll give you an example, one that we just did. We're working with somebody who's going to help us build out email funnels for events. Well, we know how to build email funnels, right? Like there's templates out there. It's not, it's not rocket science, but we've never done it for events. Mm. And so we want a very specific skill set of someone to help us with that. It's not crazy expensive. A couple thousand bucks, they'll build us the templates. A couple more thousand bucks, they'll work with us, refine it. 
And then after that, we can manage it and go from there. So we have a copy person already. We have uh, all the software and all that stuff to do it. We just need expertise on this very niche thing. And so we can then juice or juice charge the team to move a lot faster. And that's that's a a really big part of this. That's a, a massive part of it. I love that you brought up contractors because people forget about that all the time. So there was actually two more things that I wanted to bring up to the question I asked, right? So number one, like you said, contractors, people forget that you don't have to hire a full-time who. You could hire you know, a part-time who or a contractor to come in and be that who for you. In fact, in many cases, a contractor might be better because Gary, yep. people don't realize how much cheaper it could be. If you find the right person who's really hungry, a task that might be a $5,000 a month full-time employee might just be something a contract will do for 500 yep. a month. 500 bucks, a thousand, a thousand bucks. Yeah. Exactly. Because they might exactly. already have the system or on all the... Te- like as an example, yep. uh, ClickUp. You can go hire somebody to build all your ClickUp boards if you don't want to go there in there and build them all yourself, right? Like you can uh, pot, launching a podcast, five hundred bucks, thousand bucks. You, I mean, yep. all these different things, HubSpot, like all these different things you can you can do for relatively cheap. And that it leads me to exactly the two other things that tactically anybody listening or watching can do, right? If they're like, oh, but I can't afford a five thousand dollars employee. Well, so first off, you can hire a VA. Right. So you can go overseas to like the Philippines or India or places like that and hire somebody for five to 10 US dollars an hour. There's many companies online. If you just literally Google v- virtual assistant staffing, there's many of them. Team, we love Team, T E E M. Yep. They're great. They help us. I know, Gary, you have a lot of contractors yep. with them. I have a lot of contracts with them. They're great, very affordable, great service. Um, not sponsored, by the way. We just use their services and they're great. Um, and then the other thing, and Gary, you touched on this, is the systems. So oftentimes, and actually, I think this is the one downside about Who Not How that did not touch on because it's a little bit outdated is the ability to build a system that repeats itself once with new tools. And I'm going to get crazy here with things like AI and automation. So there weren't tools like Zapier around when Dan Sullivan was coming up, right? So a lot of the things he may have needed a who for back then is one Zapier automation today, right? Or it's one chat GPT sentence today of like, get me a full breakdown of exactly what I need to do to start a podcast. Chat GPT will get you a full report. Isn't so cool the time we live in? Yeah, I'm with Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely crazy. So so wh- how, what advice would you give to people watching and listening who are like, okay, I don't have the money to, to buy a who, but how do I know if I can solve this with a system instead of a who so they don't make that mistake? Ooh, that's a good question. So, okay, so let me reframe the question to make sure I understand what you're asking. You're asking sh- how to decipher the difference between knowing a who you should hire versus I just need a system, someone to come yep. in and build a system. So yep. I look at them, I, I look at that relatively the same because you're going to need a who either way. So if you can't mm. tell the difference, you probably just need to hire somebody to come in and build a system to start with. Um, and I've done this tons of times where we said, okay, we need an operating system or we need a uh, an email system or we need something else. And they come in, they build the system for us and then we realize, okay, this is going to be a lot more work. This isn't going to, I'll give you a perfect example. So I said, I want to post like 10 times a day or five times a day. I want to post so much content. It's ridiculous. So I thought if I just produce two, two podcasts, I'll have all the content that I need. And so we tried that and it, was, it wasn't enough. And then I was like, okay, can we get, uh, uh, so we got video editors. We got, ended up getting, you know, six, six videos every week out of those two podcasts. Well, that's one a day, roughly, right? So then I was like, okay, well, now what do I do? Um, okay, well, let's do a blog. So then I had to get a copywriter and and that was another part of the system. 
And then we were, or another part of a who, right? And then I was like, okay, well, what about post? I could repurpose the videos as written post, right? So that was another one. So now I'm at what, 12, uh, 15 posts a week where I want to be at like 25. So then mm. I was like, okay, well, now I have to create more face-to-face videos where I'm talking directly to the camera, filming, mm. that's going to take another hour. And what I realized was <clears throat> the the problem that I was actually not was trying to solve was not a volume issue. It was actually a systems issue. The mm. system was the hard part. Once I got the system down, then I could just pump out content as much as possible, as much as I wanted to. Uh, but first, it had to come in stages. So I, I, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I thought I had a who problem. It was really yep. a systems problem, but I had to just jump in and kind of work through it to learn that. You know, one thing I will add, and you've said this many times on this episode, uh, excuse me, on past episodes is this. The difference is oftentimes, you, even if you need a who, you often need a system for the who to manage. Oh, so that's yeah. a distinction, right? I think that's kind of where you were going for. Well, you well could- no, okay. So, let's, so let's, let's talk about that. So I agree that you don't want to just hire somebody and put them into no system because they'll probably fail. So that's not the right kind of who though. So when, when in the book, specifically what they're talking about with a who, they're talking about people who know how to execute on a particular mm. problem. So mm. when you bring in a contractor, typically they have a unique skill set. So let's use you as an example, Derek. You have a very unique skill set to be able to watch a podcast, find the hottest clips, edit them into a watchable format, and make it consumable for the audience, right? That's a skill set. That's very particular. If I just picked a random dude up off the street, or even <laughs> if they knew how to video edit, now, let me even make it even better. Even if they just knew how to video edit, let's say they had the tangible skill to edit the video the right way, but they're picking the wrong stories. What happens, yep. Derek? Yep. Doesn't work. Clip. So yep. there's a process to actually picking the stories that you have to have. And so uh, just hiring a body, a warm body to do it, that's not what the book is about. I want to make that very, very clear. The book is about hiring somebody who has the skill set to execute on what you want. And usually a contractor is going to come with that. Now, if you hire a person that has a skill set, but you have no framework for them to work in and they're a full-time employee and you ask them to both do the thing and build the system at the same time, they're probably going to fail too because that's really hard to do. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And I, that's a perfect breakdown. That's really what I was going for there. I remember you, it's crazy how for those people who've been watching this show for a while, we tend to, especially you, Gary, you tend to repeat a lot of the same concepts in different situations because they just continue to pop up. Yeah. Like I remember you brought up Huna House so many times. You brought up this concept of the systems of, of you know, contractor versus, you know, VA versus full-time employee, having someone manage a system. You know, I think the way you put it was, um, you know, the, the person that makes it recurring, the person, well, how, how does it go? Oh, the yeah. So it's uh, the it? person that makes it, makes it up, makes it makes real it and makes it recurring. So makes it up is the visionary. That's you and me. The make it recurring or make it real is somebody who brings it into existence that works on it. And then there's this person that repetitively works on the machine. And, yep. and, and the, the way I think about it, and we've talked about this before, is if you have somebody who builds the motor, that person who builds the motor probably isn't going to maintain the motor as well. Those are two different yep. jobs. Yep. And you know, this is probably that my next, this is my next point here, right? And this is one of the biggest things that blew my mind from this book here. And I think you would agree with me. 
I am still really early, right? And for me, what sometimes I struggle with is letting people do, like letting go of certain tasks and letting people take them because I truly worry, like, will they be able to do it as good as me? And usually, if it's the right person to give me the task to, not only do they do it as good, they do it 10 times better. And it takes... I still struggle with that. Even after, yeah, even though I know it, I still struggle with it. And I think a lot of people do. But my point with that is, is it, the book blew my mind in the sense of how many tasks I'm doing that I hate, that there are people out there that not only love them, but they live and breathe those tasks, those little things that I hate doing that make me sometimes not want to go to work that day. There are people out there, and all I got to do is find them, that they want to come to work to do those tasks. That blows my mind. I know. That, that was a really hard thing for me to understand. When I first got started in business, I tried to incentivize everybody, like a like a an executive or like a salesperson, like all or nothing. You know what I mean? I'm going to give you this little salary, and you're you're going to make these huge bonuses if you hit these numbers over the next year, because that really drives me right. Like mm-hmm. I get super excited about that. And but what I realized is most people aren't wired that way. Some people yep. are, but most people aren't. And so. I had to learn, okay, these people are built differently and they think differently. They value security over risk. They value consistency over uh, boom or bust, right? And so then I had to build out systems and and, and uh, incentives for them to be able to reform. And you really, you got to be able to nail that down. And then also going to your other point, you have to learn, and we talk about this all the time, you have to learn to let people fail. You have to tell them, I need you swinging for the fences Yep. You are going to fail at this and and then let them fail and then let them come to the conclusion with a plan that this is how I'm going to make it better because my plan that I tell Derek to execute is not as good even if it's a better plan is not as good as the plan that Derek comes up to execute because he has no ownership in my plan. If it fails it's my fault. But if he comes up with a plan, he has to he has to own it and that's that's really hard to do as a leader. A lot of people don't talk about this, but this is really a leadership skill thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, one thing I want to add to that point is oftentimes we might feel as though, let, let me paint this scenario, right? You're, you're a CEO, possibly with visionary tendencies, kind of like Gary or I, right? You have a difficulty offhanding certain tasks because you worry people won't be able to do it as well. Then you finally make that leap and you offhand that task to somebody and they suck at it. Two things might have happened. Number one, it's the first time they did it. It's going to take them a couple times to get it right. Or number two, you truly did not put the right person in the right position to succeed. Now, here's what I want to talk about. Point number two. So in New Zealand right now, I'm staying with a friend. Her name is Stella. And her mother is a very talented woman who does amazing work. Helped Stella a lot. And she helped me a lot. In I watched her. She blew my mind. She built out an analytics data tracking system for all of my clients in an hour and a half that completely automated the process that I had three employees doing. I kid you not. So why am I sharing that story? Number one, shout out to Anna. Okay. And number two, um, having the right who is way more valuable than hiring two, three, four people who are not the right who. And the book talks about that. If you bring people in that are actually specialized, that live and breathe that task, they will go much further because it's their thing than you will trying to do it yourself or than other people will by putting three, four, five. More people involved in the process doesn't mean it's going to become more efficient. It actually might be counterintuitive, might become less efficient. Yeah, 100%. Yep. You're you're 100% right. Having right person, right seat is huge. No, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly right person, right seat. And again, it's funny because this episode is just the repeating itself, yeah. but you talked about this many times. Yeah, so right, it's all pe- right person, wrong seat happens yep. all the time. And so, 
And, and, and I think that the reason that people struggle with this is a lot of people have a hard time uh, articulating that to people that like, hey, you're still a really good person. You're still really skilled, yep. but we just put you in the wrong seat. So what that does is it kind of takes the burden off of them and puts it more on you and say, we realize that your skill set is more over here. Let's put you over here. I think this is going to be making you much more successful. We we messed up because we put you in the wrong place. Yep. That's different than somebody who's negligent showing up late, making massive mistakes because they don't care, they're not paying attention. Those are two different things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and really, I mean, that that's all I have had to add. I guess the last question I'd love to ask you, Gary, is if you could give any tactical advice to people, maybe by an example of how you've used Who Not How in your personal life and maybe in your business life as well, what would that look like? Well, I'll, yeah, so let's talk through personal life here in a second, but I'll give you a business one right now. So we just hired Josh, uh, VP of Growth. He's a partner of ours. He was He was a vendor first. So we brought him in to help us integrate HubSpot and some of the sales and marketing. And he was just like, man, I love what you guys are doing. I love the culture. I want to work with you guys. I will uh, discontinue my agreements. I have a bunch of agreements. And he had an agency of his own, obviously. He said, I'll wrap those up. I'll come work with you guys full time. And what he's helping us do is create a continuous voice from the internal team of the client success managers or the account managers all the way out to marketing. So that way we're all aligned all the time. And that's hard. It's hard to do. It's easy to do when you have a really small team. It gets harder and harder and harder. And it really takes a lot of energy and time. And you have to have a centralized single source of truth to make this happen. So we're in the middle of that right now. Like that's his job. And this is going to help us reduce churn. So that's really the main name of the game here is reduce churn through having a single voice. So that's a work side personally. And this is the same. So in business, it's the same as in your personal life. So as an example, if you are, I'm just going to make up a number. If you're making $100,000 as an agency owner and you are mowing your lawn that you could hire someone to do for $200, that means that you are taking away from your agency or you're taking away from your family time to go mow the lawn. So you should be outsourcing all of your personal stuff too. So for me, Derek, I... I get my cars cleaned at my house. I get, if I need, if I get, like, if I need vitamins or I have a nurse come to my house, I have mobile dry cleaning. I have an executive assistant that helps me with all my personal stuff, all my bills, all my rentals, everything. I try not to work on anything except for my business. And the reason why is that's more of my highest return for my time comes from. I'm not going to get a better return on anything else that I touch. So I try not to invest into other things. I try to pay for those things to be done, which gives me more time. I love that so much. It's it goes back to using money as a, as a tool and a resource, not just stacking it in a bank account, especially well, when you know you can make more. A hundred percent, and it's a who, yeah. not how again. Yep. Like, yep. I can mow my lawn if I wanted to. I could also build a podcast. I could also uh, do the. V- I could do what our VP of Growth is doing right now. Am I going to be as effective as them? Absolutely nope. not. Not even Absolutely close. Not. They're going to execute at a way higher level. And it allows me to focus on my energy, what I'm actually good at. And there's another whole thing, like putting the money thing aside. They actually gave this example in the book. They gave an example of a guy who just sold his company for millions of dollars, goes home, retires, and then he has to fix something on his roof. The guy decides to call up a company. The company gives him a price of like $1,000. Now, bear in mind, the guy just sold a company for millions. He has the $1,000 and he's doing nothing. So the guy says, I'm doing nothing. I might as well save the 1000 bucks and go climb on the roof. 
Guess what happens? The guy climbs the roof, falls off the ladder, and nearly dies. He's in a coma for two weeks, two weeks in a coma. And bear in mind, this is over a $1,000 fix. He decided to try to do himself. Because he did not, he neglected who not how, he nearly died. Coma, like couldn't walk, like the whole thing. When he finally came to and he recovered, months later, he realized, shoot, I should have just hired somebody. He never made that mistake again. After that, Gary, he did what you just described. He went and hired people to fix the stuff that needed to be fixed. He never tried to do a small fix himself again. And he never valued his money more than that of his time and his life and then he was healthy and everything was okay but that's the lesson even more so than just the money like just because you can in theory do something doesn't mean you shouldn't invest that money to have a who someone who specializes in it do it and that's really how it affects the personal life there 100 percent. this is a really good episode man good job on this yeah, absolutely. This is a super valuable topic. I think a lot of people found a lot of value from it. If you have not read the book, Who Not How, go read that book. If you've listened thus far and you're on Spotify Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel and drop a comment down below of what you thought about this video. Thank you so much for watching. Check us out on TikTok and Instagram Reels YouTube shorts. With that said, guys, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Peace.